Blog Talk Radio. FT Sports Podcast. Hi! Thursday, as always, every week. February 8th. 2018. C-Day Studio. We'll be joined by my pals, my buddies, my brothers in crime. The Ellis AA Ron TV will be in on the lines later here in a second, a couple minutes. As soon as they come on, I will get them on the air for you fans. 646-668-2182 is the number. If you want to get into the conversation, welcome to the show tonight. I wanted to go in two different directions this evening. And and we're going to see where it goes. I'm going to wait for the rest of the crew to come in. But I'm going to bring B. Ellis in here because as a, as a member of the parent clan, because we are part of this fraternity, I, I, I got to say this because I think we are two qualified individuals to say this. And I hate to start the show off with this attitude, B. Ellis, welcome in tonight. Um, but I, I got to say this, Ellis, and I mean this with all sincerity. If my son decided to go to Central State University, which is the rival of Wilberforce right across the street in Xenia, Ohio, for those who are unaware of the two schools, if he decided to go to Central State when I went to Wilberforce, or better yet, went to another, you know, broadcast media school that's not Specs Howard, for example, I am not on national TV going to get up, walk in front of the camera, and take away his moment. The parent that did that for this kid that chose Florida over the other schools, absolute disgrace. As a parent, I'm disgusted with what she did. She did come back and hug him, but notice the hug. He didn't hug her back. I wouldn't either. B. Ellis, you are a parent. You are qualified to to say and give a comment and a statement on this. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, it's a bit extreme. I think, um, you know, one level could say maybe she was just, you know, definitely emotionally invested in in that decision that she thought she may have knew uh, to be true uh, based off her alma mater. You know, so that could be one aspect, especially down south, man. It is, it's serious down there. I've seen yeah, it in Georgia and you know, Auburn and you know, maybe you could say Michigan, Ohio State, maybe. But down south, it's a whole nother level, man, a whole different breed. And uh, I know that those were, you know, southern schools that he was looking to attend. So from that aspect, um, I think, you know, of, of a moment of, of emotions erupted from her that she couldn't control. The fact that she came back, um, I think she did redeem herself. But, yeah, I thought it was, it was a little – it was a little upsetting to her, and it, it threw me off. Guard. I mean, come I on, man. Video, I, I get, I get why she was upset. I understand a lot of you know people are talking about it's serious um, down there, you know, man. Gang related. It, it is serious down there, and I get it. I'm not going to take away the fandom there. part. But come on, man. As a parent, bro. Again, uh huh. Your daughter decides that she she is a top athlete in swim or gymnastics or, or basketball, whatever sport she wants to get into, and she decides instead of going to Western Michigan, she decides to go to Central. Again, mm. the fan in you would get upset, but the parent in you should be happy that your 
African-American daughter is celebrated at this moment on national TV and accepting a full scholarship to play in a sport that she loves. Don't you, you don't take away that moment, do you? No, no, I don't. I don't. And But once again, though, Chris, Central and Western's rivalry ain't, ain't burning as deep as I I understand you know, that. Florida and, and Auburn. Florida and, and Auburn's Alabama rivalry is not burning as much as Auburn and Alabama now. Come on now. I'm just saying. I I I, I just had to get that out. We, you're a qualified parent. I'm a parent, so I thought that we could get that out as we await uh, um, McGriff sure. and, and TV to to join us here, and we'll get their thoughts on it as well. TV McGriff, good evening, uh, gentlemen. Uh, oh. Good evening. So since we're not parents, we can't uh, have an opinion on it? Well, we were waiting for you, so I thought that I would, you know, kick the show off by having a parent dialogue with my fellow brother in crime. Is that all right? I've been here the whole time, man. I was listening. I was waiting for me. I was here the whole time, though. Apparently, Blog Talk Radio is having some issues because we were trying to log in since 8.58, and we had to manually dial in for my cell phones. But it is what it is. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Hello. Dang, mood just changes all of a sudden here. Gentlemen, do you have an opinion on the mother that walked out on her kid during the National Signing Day? I thought, again, selfish of her. It's a moment for him, not her. I thought she stole the spotlight from him. So the court of public opinion is very swift in their judgment. While in the moment, yes, it seemed totally ridiculous that she got up and actually walked out while her son was uh, making his decision, not their decision, his decision. Um, Yeah, it it absolutely seemed outrageous on the onset. But when you really think about it, you don't know what was really driving her to have that moment. Now, it did come out later that um, he was supposedly involved in some gangs in Florida, and his mother was looking forward to him going out of state somewhere where he could get away from that life because she doesn't know yeah. possibly what could happen to her son. So mm-hmm. that may have been the driving force and why she chose to act the way she acted. Um, was it right? Was it wrong? I can't be the judge of either one. Um, so all I can say is you don't necessarily know the full story and all the circumstances that drove uh, that decision. Fair enough. TV. Um, I heard about it, but I didn't watch the watch the video. But um, based on what I've been hearing from people and the way she reacted to me, it sounds like, and I'm just speculating that she's apparent. I'm just speculating, but it seems like she's supposed to. It seemed like something didn't go according to plan because of her son selecting Florida over Alabama. Sounds like. She may have been told she may get some type of uh, compensation if her son were to attend Alabama. And again, I'm just speculating, but for her to react that way, it kind of, kind of, it, it kind of opens your eyes a bit as to why she really acted the way she did, you know. And I, th- I guess the irony is that she wore an Alabama sweater with a Tennessee hat, so it just kind of threw me off. Like, what the hell is happening? Alabama and Tennessee are rivals. For those who don't watch college football, Florida and Tennessee are rivals. For those who don't watch college football, 
kind of threw Alabama me for Tennessee, a loop. As, Alabama and Tennessee are rivals. I can, I, they I are can't right. tell, man. They're, they're, they're not. Really? They're not the hardcore rivals of like the Auburn and Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. They're not on that caliber. But Tennessee and Auburn. I mean, Tennessee and Alabama are definitely uh, rivals. They're they're equivalent to what Michigan State and Ohio State are. Because Michigan State's biggest rival, I think, is Penn State. Historically. Michigan's biggest rival? No, Michigan State. Oh, Michigan State. Okay. okay. Yeah, Michigan yeah, that's, State that's, biggest rival, Penn State, I would say. Some would say Ohio State, but that's 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 debatable, but We'll keep going for right now. I, I just, I, again, I'm just throwing off. She was wearing a Auburn sweater and a Tennessee hat, so I'm just really confused by all of that. McGriff is right, though. The optics, I understand it. Quick, to, I watched the video multiple times. I just felt for the kid, man. I just thought to be the number four receiver in the country, you know, top recruit. This is his moment, and if he changed his mind, he changed his mind. It didn't go according to plan, but for you to do that. It just looked really bad. It just, it just, it looked bad. It looked bad on national TV. If it wasn't on TV, maybe, but this was on national TV when she did this. Just, I don't know. It's just from a parent perspective, that's all. Um, so, fellas, it's the end of the football season, and I added something to the lineup because this will be McGriff's last football roundtable, and I oh. thought in. To, to celebrate this, I thought that we could play something in the background as McGriff gives his farewell to football until the month of September. Is it dying? Is it, is it dying? <laughs> well, you don't watch basketball. I don't think you're a hockey uh, guy. TV could attest to the fact that I was watching the Cavaliers game last night. The last Actually, game last night has, was really good. Watch, he's, been actually, he's been watching quite a bit of basketball lately. Thank you very I, much. Kudos. Black but football is gone, man. It is. It is. Uh, it, can, can you please turn that off? Uh, <laughs> you know, are, are you trying to make me get emotional, man? I already uh, watched This Is Us the other day, man. I don't need no more emotion this week. Your state of uh, the NFL as we close this book. Man, so uh, Super Bowl uh, was definitely one of uh, the best Super Bowls I can say that I've watched in my lifetime. Um, it was great. Uh, the underdogs won. Uh, Tom Brady uh, went down, and it was great. And uh, everybody got to be uh, hypocritical about the fact that he didn't go uh, across the field and uh, shake hands. Uh, they called him a uh, something like an ultimate warrior or something uh, because he was just had so much fight in him that he just couldn't. Uh, he just had to run off to the to the locker room after the game, which is some uh, some some absolute BS. Um, yeah, man, it was a great game. It was a great way to end the season. Um, it was a season fraught with controversy. Uh, I saw some statistics that said that um, the uh, this Super Bowl didn't get, it had like one of the worst ratings um, yeah. in the last like ten years or so. Yeah. Um, so definitely there were still a lot of people um, protesting the game. Um, yeah, I, I really have no complaints about um, the way the season ended. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a great game. It started with the fireworks for the offseason. The first offseason move was Matt Patricia becoming the head coach of mm-hmm. the Detroit Lions. Can't do a show without mentioning them. And he them. cut his beard off. 
And he cut his beard, but he put the pencil in his ear during the press conference. Are you excited for Matt Patricia? After seeing this Um, defense give up, like, all of the yards and all the points in the Super Bowl, are you excited for Matt Patricia? uh, I think he he sacrificed his defense. He self-sabotaged them, so uh, (laughs) he knew that he made the right decision by leaving. If they would have won the game and it would have been because of his defense, he would have said – thought he made uh, the wrong choice. So they gave him what he needed. They gave him closure and said that it's okay, coach, you can go. You know? It was a a hospice game for him. They just wanted to make him comfortable while he made his exit. Okay. All right. TV, uh, your thoughts, Super Bowl, man. The end of the season is over. You watched uh, some of the season, not the entire length uh, due to the protest. Respect 100% of what you did. Um, it was still the game to be played. No defense was on this field at all. One punt. Um, go. What, what was your take? Um, I think my take was when you look at the fact that um, you didn't have a sack until uh, towards the end of the game, I think it shows you that uh, both teams did their homework on each other, um, kept their quarterbacks pretty clean throughout most of the game. Uh, there was a little bit of pressure from both sides, but um, if you look at the time of possession, and of course it was just a matter of uh, somebody, you know, putting a little bit more effort than the next man, and you got, and you got that out of Brandon Graham. And also, my final take on this game, on the Super Bowl game, is that uh, Doug Peterson was aggressive, and hopefully a lot of coaches learn from the way he had had his team in position to to win that game. I mean, if you look at the the critical fourth and one uh, converted by Zach Ertz, or even when they went for it on fourth and goal before the end of the of the first half, so uh, aggressive, being aggressive, being assertive that that typically makes the difference. So great game okay. overall. Well, not well, well, good, good, not great game, but it was it was it was a good game. It was a good game. It was a good game. So. Was on Fry House Sports, and for those who don't know, you catch those guys seven seven p.m. to nine p.m. Eastern Standard on Thursday before we come on uh, on Blog Talk Radio. Um, uh, the comparison was that Doug Peterson is the better coach than Andy Reid. Andy Reid would not have done the things that Doug Peterson did in this game, TV. And I kind of got very upset because when we saw Andy Reid in the Super Bowl, it was a different type of football that was also being played the quarterback position wasn't as glorified as it is now where everything runs through the quarterback common sense, but RPOs are out there. Um, the fact that Nick folds, I mean, we've never seen a backup quarterback since Tom Brady win the Super Bowl, yet alone take a team deep into the playoff runs as he did mature in front of us as he did. I, th- I think there was a little shade maybe thrown at Doug Peterson way, but maybe thrown at Andy Reid's way. So as a Philly fan, not saying you are, but when Philly fans say this, what do you say to that? As far as the, you said, the, sh- the shade that was thrown at Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson versus Andy Reid. When a when an oh, Eagles I, fan come out and say that, hey, he's not Andy Reid. Well, duh, he's not. But the, you're talking about two different Eagle teams, too. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I mean, think, and then not only two different Eagles teams, but you got to look at two different Patriots teams. I mean, the time that the Patriots beat the Eagles back in um, 05, I mean, Tom Brady was younger. 
Uh, Tom Brady actually had more weapons on that on that Patriots team. I mean, you had the likes of, da- of David Gibbons, you had um, uh, 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 Corey Dillon, and uh, who's who, who's the other guy that ended up winning the Super Bowl MVP? And he ended up going to Seattle. I can't think of his name, but he had more weapons on that team compared to this year's team. I mean, it's it, it's easy to say that now, but when you look when you look at both scenarios, I mean, this New England team was good, not great. That New England team back in '04 was just was just a great team. So it's easy to say that, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, you can't we we, we can't dismiss the fact that uh you know Bill Peterson did what he's supposed to do, and you know Andy Reid came close as well. I mean, let's not let's not forget. Every Super Bowl that the Patriots have been in, since you know, during the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I mean, the, the, what's, what's the one uh, the, uh, the margin or the points? The points has been what three between three and four points. So each of those Super Bowls were close, especially the Eagles game. That was a close one, but I mean, just enjoy the moment. You know, don't just take nothing away. Don't go back to mm-hmm. you know. What I'm saying, don't go back to what happened back in '04. I mean, you won. You right as of right now, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I mean, the NFC East is the only division in the NFL that has four teams that has, that has at least one, one, one Super Bowl, at least one Super Bowl championship. Yeah. So very, very true. Enjoy the moment. Good stat. And it's been 50 years, Ellis. Um, of course, as Lions fans, we're currently the second longest drought of being in the game, along with winning that game or winning a championship. Um, but I digress. When you hear – Eagles fans being so excited about this game, seeing Nick Foles doing what they're doing, they're talking about Nick Foles as well, being traded, getting some assets for him. I disagree with that because, again, we haven't seen a quarterback rebound from an injury of an ACL, LCL, whatever you want to tear in your knee. We have not seen that type of comeback since Tom Brady when he did it and came back and won three more championships or two more championships. So when they talk about wanting to trade him and get assets, I call fans silly. But when you look at that game, what was your takeaway overall? And then what do you do for what do you do with Nick Folds if you're in the front office for for Philly? Uh, I think I think overall uh, it was a great game uh, for both offenses. Surprisingly, uh, I think defensively, uh, both teams gave up more points and yards than I would say I would, would have maybe expected. And actually, let me preference that comment. I think the Eagles gave up more yards uh, than expected, which would, I guess, you know, magnify how great Tom Brady is. Uh, and then ultimately, I would say, point out some of the differences in regards to New England's defense as well. But that's not surprising us. New England has they struggled on defense all year. They've had, I think, the first five, six games they gave up three, four hundred yards to each quarterback they that they face. So, you know, I don't know. Patricia coming over to the Lions, uh, we'll see. But in regards to just that o- that overall team uh for Nick Foles and what his future looks like, I think that they're doing the right thing by potentially looking to shop him, man. Um either that or you pretty much have an, an all out uh competition at the for your for the starting role. I mean as much as as great as Carson Wentz is uh, Nick Foles did come in and deliver the Super Bowl. And I get it. I mean, now, if you feel like he's a one-in-a-lifetime talent, which is possible that he is, I'm going to say that I'm not under the influence that he is. So this is what this is year two for him, right? So uh, you really have that. Going into year three, yeah. 
Well, yeah, but this was year two that he just completed. So correct. Yeah. Do you have that much of a resume completed to really say that you're all in on him? I mean, you could say that based off what you've seen, but I mean, one would say Nick Foles did the same thing last time when Michael Vick went out. You know, he found, it was a coach that believed in him in Andy Reid, and he maximized his potential out of him. And I mean, I would say Nick Foles, if he's ready to really go and stand on his own, uh, he may want to go somewhere else. Or based off of him, he's more of a confidence guy, man. A confidence and a faithful, kind of a faithful gentleman, man. So he may want to yeah. stay in Philly whether he's a backup or not. I understand that. But, but this, this season was an anomaly, though, man. Because real talk, fellas, when is the last time you saw a third-string quarterback lead their team to the NFC Championship game and a second-string quarterback take over the team, not lose a beat, and win the Super Bowl in the same year? Now, it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't, but we've seen this from Nick Foles directly, though. You know, if you want to go back and, like I said, when Michael Vick went down from the Eagles, that's when Nick Foles really made a name for himself. He came in. Sure, he had a pro, it was Pro Bowl almost, season. Pro Bowl season, 30-plus touchdowns. He was a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. So Seven touchdowns you know, he, in he one game. In, he, he, yeah, man, he, he came in and, and, and did his part. And then once again, he, he did it again. And I think the circumstances is based off of just having a team that's believed in him, and, um, I mean, like I said, they were just a faith-driven team throughout the season. So, I mean, he, he came in and did it, just similar to the quarterback for um, Alabama. You know, he came in and had that opportunity, and he, and he went with it. So, I, I don't know. I think Nick Foles, if he feels like he's in a good spot, he may he may stay there, but I think the, the, the competition should be opened up. I, I can't sit here and say I've seen um, – a total amount or a total body of work for Carson Wentz that just straight up says he's that guy without any questions about it, especially after uh, Foles just opened it up and won that Super Bowl and was accurate throughout that entire game. I think that some of the, the interception was a drop, and he had it a few drop. drop passes from his receivers. Yeah. But he, he, as the quarterback, was, was accurate and focused that game and throughout the playoffs. McGriff. He looked very Tom Brady-esque throughout his entire run in the playoffs. Yep, McGriff. We talked about when Kansas City was on their drought, Alex Smith taking an L, benching him, starting a rookie. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happening here in Philly? I mean, you got a guy that came in, took over, did exactly what you want your, your backup to do, take over, not skip a beat, won a Super Bowl, MVP of that Super Bowl. And then you got Carson Wentz, who went down before he did, was having an MVP caliber season his second year. But, again, this is the second year, blown out knee. We've seen something like this before in Minnesota. Uh-huh. So is Ellis right? Do you do you just continue to ride with Nick Foles? I think that you do. Uh, I mean, we saw it in um, in Dallas as well. Uh, you go over with, with Russell, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I think at the very least, he is going to start the season. And yeah. based on how he does, like, they they might throw uh, a man back in there just to see how he does, but ultimately I think he's going to be the starting quarterback and the one that drives them that season. I mean, he won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Like, what yep. what what else can you really say? What argument can you really put up against that? He. So then, TV. Then I I, I got to ask you this question because I feel like you would appreciate it then what the hell is going on with Miami? Because Ryan Tannehill also (laughs) sustained an injury to his knee. Not saying that Matt Moore, uh, Mike Moore is on the level of Nick Foles or vice versa. Ryan Tannehill is is Carson Wentz by any, no stretch of the imagination, not saying that. But Miami 
kind of doesn't have that faith in Ryan Tannehill. The body of work is there. Not saying that he was, you know, a gangbuster, but he didn't really have a, a lot of talent around him. But Miami has kind of pointed signs of walking away from Ryan Tannehill. Does Philly do the same thing here if, obviously, Carson Wentz is unable to go before the start of the season. Nick Foles is lights out in the first four, maybe six games of that season. Do they just say, you know what? I think, I, I, I think Nick Foles is our guy. Do they change? Do they just turn the cheek? Uh, I don't think it would be wise to do that because, again, Carson Wentz suffered a knee injury, and we all watched the game. We all seen our favorite players, but even in any sport, uh, injure their knees, and sometimes, you know, either come back better than what they were before, or they just slowly uh they slowly digress. I mean just like um Gilbert Arenas. You know, Gilbert Arenas was at one point was a top ten player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, when he hurt his knee, he just wasn't the same player. So I have to say keep Nick Foles because if Carson Wentz isn't able to go come week one, then at least you have you have you have that insurance. You have insurance meaning you have Nick Foles, you know, to be able to carry a little until week, who's to say week seven, week eight. I mean, we all know Carson Wentz is the future. At the end of the day, Carson Wentz is the future or the face of this organization. So keep the competition, you know, keep the competition open. And if Carson Wentz is able to go, you're protected, still having Nick Foles in your back pocket. I mean, as tempting as it may sound, being able to put him on a trading block and pop, potentially get a first or second round draft pick. I mean, you trade him, who, who else do you have besides Carson Wentz? As far as a backup, I mean, you know, outside Carson Wentz, who do you have besides Nick Foles as your backup QB? Yeah, so, very true. That's interesting you, that you, you bring you, up you are, Gilbert Arenas in that. That that was uh that was interesting. I like that. I like that. Good comparison. Yes, sir. Hmm. Okay. Fair it's enough. Just, it's just it's just something to think about, and I mean, we all been hearing it since the Super Bowl has ended about we should you know trade Nick Foles or don't trade him. To me, I, I mean, it's just simple. You don't trade him. As tempting as these offers may come in and sound, don't don't trade him. I agree with that. It's so rare where you have a Super Bowl MVP caliber quarterback in your in your backup, and he wants to stay there. He was going to retire if he didn't play for Philly. So the fact that he wants mm-hmm. to be there, you don't trade him. And I I agree with that, TV. I do. So let's flip the coin then, fellas. So I'll just let whoever want to go, go. What the hell happened with New England? I mean, this is a team that was 13-3. Their defense was, you know, in question in the regular season. They got it together. Um, even in the playoffs, they had flashes of greatness. They did everything right. One one point to say Malcolm Butler would have made the difference. Honestly, I don't agree with that at all. But – what in the hell happened with New England? No defense at all. I mean, can you really say that though? They they, they played no defense, Brandon. The whole... <laughs> no, they I'm played no defense. That's what I'm like, are you are you surprised? They played the yes, first. Yes, I am surprised. I'm not. I don't know. They they show signs of of breaking on defense this entire football season. I, I mean, that's all I'm saying. There, this isn't. Sadly, it wasn't anything new. They were questionable on defense from the out the gates. 
from the start of the season until the end. Now they got it together toward the end. They played they played better, but they've they've had some gaps. Um, and the player talent has been questionable on the defensive side of the ball for them. And like I said, they did shoot themselves in the foot with what they did to was it Malcolm Butler. They shot themselves in the foot with that. Their um, their other cornerback was getting beat on a few plays, um, which means that ultimately when they had when they finally came up with a better defensive scheme to slow down um, the the receiver for Philly because he was pretty much neutralized the second half of the game. They pretty much he was still out of place too because they didn't have their main cornerback on the on the uh, field. Are you talking so, you talking about Alshon I, Jeffrey? Correct. Okay, because Aguilar went off in the second half. But what I'm saying is, they when they switched over the defensive player in the second half to cover Alshon Jeffrey, he he, he was quiet. The second half of that game, once they actually pulled over the uh, the defensive back to take to pretty much cover him one on one. But you. at the same time, if you had to have Butler out there, they put a, they would have had an extra level of reinforcement, and they didn't. I don't think that Philly punted the ball once this entire game. They punted. They punted one time, and it was in the fourth quarter. Okay, so it, I mean, I don't know, man. New England—they didn't show up on defense at all, and I don't know what what was the decision made or the reason behind Malcolm Butler being benched. But it remains to be a mystery, and I mean, unfortunately, it's going to be highly visible considering the fact that they lost the game. Well, TV McGriff, you know, it doesn't. Whichever one you guys want to jump in there, in the first half. Philadelphia looked like they were going to run away with this game. And you're just like, oh, well, maybe this is going to be another Atlanta Falcon feel. Who knows? It's just the feel was different. And then the second half, the way New England came out and just marched down the field, scored a touchdown, got Gronk going, you just you just had to sit back and say, well, that's New England. Here they come. And then, mm-hmm. But their defense didn't really stop them. They didn't, they didn't do anything defensively for you to say, oh, okay, they're they're about to win this game. The the field still felt like Philadelphia had them, and I don't think that New England came out respecting Philadelphia in the first half. Second half, okay, I think they woke up, but the first half, oh, absolutely not. So I hear what Ellis is saying, but I want to get you guys' take. What the hell happened? They got beat. I mean, um, I did think they they came out there with the the, with that Patriot attitude that, uh, I mean, we're, we're the Patriots. Like, we're going to win. Like, so I don't think they were necessarily expecting to get hit as hard as they were. And, I mean, the Eagles were playing lights out. Like, they tried to run that trick play and throw it to Tom Brady. He couldn't get the ball. And the Eagles turned around and run the exact same play, and it worked. I mean, yeah. they, they, they were just getting – they were getting railroaded. I mean, and I was loving every minute of it. TV. So, I'll, I'll say this: um, New England. This is, and that's there already. But New England wasn't really basically games. I watched New England wasn't that that team as we uh, seen in the past. This was a a good team. I mean, yeah, offensively they were putting up numbers, but defensively, I mean, if you look at if you look at the teams that they had troubles with or even lost to, like the Kansas City or even the Miami team. And who's the other team that end up they lost? Oh, and the Carolina team. I mean, those teams caused problems for New England because on that defensive side they have athletes, and also on the offensive side they had bigger, they had bigger and stronger playmakers. And watching that game in the first half or so, you know, you mentioned um, when New England scored that first touchdown, that was caused by 
uh, a, a turnover, which kind of, you know, shifted the momentum a bit. But I picked the Eagles because I just felt the Eagles was just a better team overall. And the only thing that New England had, two things that New England had over uh, Philly was Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Outside of that, I still felt that Philadelphia was going to pull out the win. But we mentioned, you guys mentioned Malcolm Butler, Butler, and that was just, to me, that was disappointing in what Bill Belichick did. You know, if, he, mm-hmm. if, a, if a guy isn't going to play, you know, he, he, you know, don't have him dressed, and then you find out, you find out Monday that hey, uh, the guy that was the Eric Rowe, the guy that played for him, say hey, I found out right before kickoff that, that I was going to start in his position. So it was, it, if you look at the stuff that was being said out, you know, outside of you know, during the, with the ESPN source, and then you know, to Tom Brady and his trainer. I mean, it, it was just a, it was just a matter of time before this thing came collapsing down. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of glad it happened on the biggest stage. So, hey, wow, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they lost their defensive coordinator. They almost lost their OC. I definitely want to ask you guys about that. Uh, I want to get oh, your take gosh, on that, man. I, what the, I, what I, the I, hell? I need to get your take. Well, well, let's go there. Let's go there. Yeah, I, let's go honestly, there. let's go there. Okay. Here's my thing, TV. And I'm going to say this because you, out of the four of us, you and I, we really are embedded in, in college football, really, really study it. Mike Gundy did the same damn thing to Tennessee. He interviewed for the job, offer sheet on the table, moment it down, was going to take the job and turned around and didn't take it. That wasn't the story. The story was Tennessee botched the hire. That was the story. And Mike Gundy didn't take it was not the story at all. But this is very similar. So Josh McDaniel gets the offer sheet. He interviews. He does everything. After the season, he can make the decision. He doesn't take the job. To me, I think he didn't take it because the the security of not even knowing what the hell Andrew Luck is going to – if he's going to play or not. They don't know if he's going to play or not. Not to mention – Jim Ursay is a train wreck of an owner. So I, I, I don't have an issue with him doing it. And I, I have more of an issue with people making it a big deal. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't, people turn down job offers all the damn time. So are you on the same train with me or are you on the opposite side? No, I'm on the opposite side because okay. I, I, I totally forgot about the Mike Gundy thing. I probably didn't read up about it. But the reason why it's a big deal with Josh McDaniel because Josh McDaniel is he's a Richard, and you got to look at his time with the Denver Broncos as to why he was fired and the things he was doing, and of course he's part of that whole Bill Belichick tree. So for him to not only interview with the Colts, but then when you were supposed to be there and and get introduced, be introduced to you know to the media or whatever, you just you decide oh at the last minute not to show up, and then you're put on, and then you and then you talk about well, uh, and it's your paraphrase back that you didn't understand or you're not you weren't too how put it? you weren't too sure that Andrew Luck would be ready. You knew that when you interviewed with the team. So to me, I feel like this is something. It, it was a move as to possibly who's to say. Josh McDaniels may, may become New England's new head coach and Bill Belichick decides to step down. You know, who's to say Bill probably said, look, man, you don't want that job with Andy. You know, I'm about to step down. Me and the old man have some issues. You can have it. You know, Tom Brady loves working with you, you know, whatever. 
that's just not a that's just not a good look. And I think with him doing that, who's to say he'll get another opportunity to interview for for another for organization? That leaves a, that leaves a bad taste, not just in the Colts organization, but around the league as well. Like it's bad enough you had a, you had a representation when you was with Denver, and you were yeah. caught doing things you weren't supposed to be doing. So now you get a second chance, and again for you for him to you know hey I didn't I don't know the situation with Andrew Luck that's bullcrap. I I'm not saying that he said that I, I'm a, the the stories are out that Andrew no no Luck, no, no, no I'm just again I'm just, I'm, okay no, 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 I'm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying you said it. it's, it's, it's. You know, I'm just, you know, just hypothetically speaking. But it's, it's just, it's, it's, that's not, that's not a, that's not a good look. And you're right. People turn down jobs all the time, and it's ways to, you know, it's ways to do that. It's ways to communicate that. But again, he knew, or he had to have known the situation with Andrew Luck when he didn't put a job, right? So why all of a sudden you're mentioning it again? It, it, it's it doesn't make any sense at all to me. That's all. It don't. It doesn't make any sense. And I Fair. think it's more to it than just that. Fair. And I agree with it. That is more to it. I wish it was handled differently. I think we all do sometimes. I, and when we get exactly. job offers, we want to try to handle it the best way possible. And I don't think there is a best way possible because either you take it or you don't, right? I mean, that's the end result. Either you take it or you don't. But, again, McGriff, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, man. You have an opportunity you're, you're cleaning out your office. Mm-hmm. You interview for a job. Mm-hmm. You, you, mm-hmm. you want to go there, okay? They Nice offer and everything. The team that you're with now sits you down seven hours and, and pretty much gives you all the security and saying you are the next guy. You are the heir apparent to what we have going on here. You are what we want in the next. By the way, this organization that you're leaving – multiple championships you've been a part of every last one of them including the losses so again what's the big deal by the way the Colts you are you, the train they're opposite of what you are yeah but if they they're the opposite of what you are but if you're coming in there to be the head coach they're going to become what you are or that's the the, the, the notion of thought anyway um yeah i don't i, I don't think that was right you know what I'm saying? That's like uh, you going, you tell somebody that you're going to take them on a date, and you know what I'm saying? And you go to pick them up, you get to their block, and then when you get to their block and they set, you see them outside, like waiting for you to pick them up, you just drive just past the going. house. And you're like, you know what? You know what? I changed my mind. I I'm changed go my mind. I'm going I'm to go back home to my, yeah. We, we, we were going to separate, but we're going we gonna to just work it out. You know? It's I, I I don't think that, I don't think it was right. I don't, I don't it's not it you with me. You're right. Well, when you put it that way, then he's a douchebag. <laughs> when you put it that way, I I mean, I'm trying to think when I turned down a job, was it like that? Because they really wanted to hire me, and I was like, yeah, nah, I can't do it. <sighs> Ellis, jump in here, man. Whose side you on? Right or wrong? Was he cool? Was it? Where, where you at? No, I think he was uh, trash for that that uh, oh, that decision. Three to one. Uh, I, I'm just saying. I mean, you knew what you was getting yourself into. You knew it was a trash organization prior to you going out for the position, <laughs> and you still went out for it. Uh, you knew what the 
the status of the quarterback was, which was questionable. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so you ultimately wanted the head coaching position. You ultimately knew that they were going to extend the offer to you. You knew what the landscape looked like. I'm pretty sure he did his research. And at that point in time, there was a level of commitment for, for both parties. So to show up there and come all the way out there, you know, and just to turn it down, yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think that's, that's, that's trash. I think that, uh, I mean, I don't know what, what New England's doing for him or what they're doing to, to make sure he's squared away, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's something substantial. And he might know something that's coming down the line or down the pipeline, even with the uh, New England Patriots. Okay, wait. But uh, so since you probably got wine and dine out there and everything, they took him to all the finest restaurants in Indianapolis. He had man ordered the lobster, the steak, and the shrimp. Got all the expensive drinks, and then went home. Was like, yeah. Okay, hold on. It's not working out. (laughs) Since it's three to one, I just gotta ask y'all: if this was a player that did this, a player that did this. Where he's like, you know what? I think I want to, you know, I'm basketball because basketball will be the closest of doing this because NBA stars they can't keep their mouth closed. If a player did this in in in, in the NBA, where he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be here, and then you know what? Nah, I changed my mind. I'm either gonna stay or I'm gonna go to another team. Does he get ridiculed for that? No, LeBron. LeBron, hey, LeBron didn't really do it that way. Different situation, though, man. This is uh, I'll say this: he's not a player; he's a coach. So there's a okay. So it's different, different from layer. a coach to a player. I mean, he's when you think of a coach, or you think of you know, I mean, that's a, that's a leadership position. That's one of the highest levels of leadership. That's, if you're a star you know, of the team, you're a leader of the team as well. So it's leadership as well. I, I missed it. Yeah, but that, from a team perspective, from a player perspective, it's different. It's levels to it, Chris. I think that's. I mean, when you look at a coach, that's. That's kind of the next level from it, from like at an executive level, as far as decision making. You can you control the players, you control who you bring in there, you control who you send out. So it's it's, it's levels to it. So I think that there's a level of expectation to be a little bit a little bit classier when it comes to uh, you know you interviewing, take, taking multiple interviews. I would imagine, and actually you pretty much accepted the job anyway. So, uh, no, I he couldn't accept the job. He could not accept the job until the until the postseason ended. Period. Well, I mean, he still gave them a commitment. So just like your boy Patricia gave the Lions a commitment, and they couldn't sign on a dotted line until the season ends. That doesn't mean he didn't make a commitment to the team. That doesn't mean that he wasn't already actively interviewing and actively pursuing the position, and uh, you know, doing his research on if that's the place to be. That's okay, so I'm who's worse? Now. So, so who's worse? Nick Saban for what he did to the Miami Dolphins, Lane Kiffin for what he did pretty much his entire coaching career, but still has a job at Florida Atlantic and still glorified as a good coach and still a top caliber coach for one of the prestigious schools, or what just Josh McDaniel just did? Who's worse? Uh, I would say Josh McDaniels is worse. Because wow. you don't you you're not you're not even a head coach. The other two guys you named were at least head coaches. You know this guy so, hasn't had that stint, or he was he was looking to step into that stint. So you put him Nick over Saban, and keep who took a job and then left the job for a job he said he didn't even want. Who who are you speaking on? Nick Saban. He took the Miami Dolphins job and left 
after saying he did not want to become the coach of Alabama. He didn't even say the entire season. Man, they all they all lied, but Nick Saban got exposed. Nick Saban coached more than a season in Miami, didn't he? No, he did not. He, he did not coach the entire season, Adam? You sure about that? Negative. I don't know about Nick, that. We're going to have to Nick check Saban, that one, man. I, I, Nick Saban was exposed at the NFL level, though, so I think that's, that's different. You know, you, you were given that opportunity. You stepped into the role. You failed miserably. You left. You know, uh, your boy McDaniels is like you're being given an opportunity to step into, I mean, one of the highest leaders or one of the highest positions of leadership on a team, and you're an offensive coordinator. Andrew Luck is being pretty much held as the the next greatest thing to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and you you come into a position where you're his coach. So one season, and you come into a position where you. Actually, he was, no, he was actually coach. there from – hold on, sorry, Brent. So he was there from 2004 to 2007. 2006. So I'm looking at it right now. Um, I'm looking at 2007. But, he okay, so, 2000, so he was there for two years. So he was he was, he was was you know, this, this guy didn't even—he didn't even step in and, and give it a give it a try. He just wasted their time. Wait, 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 wait! You say he? We say he—he—he he, he wasted time. He was there for two years, so he. No, no he's, he's talking about Josh McDaniels. He's talking about Josh McDaniels. Oh, he's talking about Josh McDaniels. Oh, okay, that's what I'm like. Wait a minute. So it's a waste of time to interview. Yeah. Okay. Hey. All right. Sure. Hey. And then let me add on top of that. I mean, keep in mind he already had staff members. He picked out his staff members, and those staff members. That was going to be part of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, those guys probably turned down jobs, promotions to be on mm-hmm. his coaching staff. So they were in Indy waiting on him. He didn't show up. So, yeah, this makes Josh Daniels look real bad in the league. And then has there been a player to do such a thing? The only player I could think of is DeAndre Jordan, who was a free agent. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was talk about him, you know, being with da- Dallas. You, oh, you going to Dallas. Yeah. He was supposed to be a Dallas. Oh, yeah. Dallas, of course, Dallas, with Mark he Cuban. Was Dallas Maverick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Mark Cuban. And then, sorry, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't know if he – I think he texted he text him saying, no, I'm just going to stick with the Clippers. And it's different when – I'm not going to say it's different, but it's one thing if it happens once. But then if it happens repeatedly or you just have that – you have that, that, that background of that guy – you know, leaving teams hanging to dry. It, it, mm-hmm. At that point, it's, regardless if you're a coach or a player, it's just a nasty taste. It's a bad look. It's a bad taste in, in, a, in a lot of them organizations, either Fair in the NFL, NBA, or any type of professional sports level. But Josh Daniels, man, this, this is all time low. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. All right, McGriff, I, I just got to ask this question because you, 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 you really threw that out there like this was a real life experience. <laughs> Did you drive down the street? Uh-huh. And have thoughts about going on a date, and you just said, "Nah, I'm keep going." Did you actually do that? Well, it didn't happen exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> but uh, wow! So, I, you want the actual story? Yes. Why not? If you, if you right. want to share, I mean, all right. So, uh, so, so, boom! Right. Uh, this was. Uh, oh wow. Either the I think it was the summer after eleventh grade, and 
I was uh, hanging out with one of my friends from Cass who lived on the east side, and there was this girl I had been talking to that also lived on the east side. And, like, I forget who was trying to hook us up, but I had never met her face-to-face. We had only talked on the phone. And this was before Facebook and before FaceTime and all that. Like, we had flip phones with garbage cameras. So, you know, she could have used some filters, but she didn't need them. Um, but, oh. uh yeah, Damn. so she happened to live around the corner from my boy, so he was like, hey, yo, let's go over there real quick. I was like, all right, bet. So I told her I was coming down the street. She came out, but she walked into the car. I saw her, and, you know, I was really immature back then. I hadn't really learned a lot of my life lessons. So, yeah, when I saw her, I just pushed the pedal all the way to the floor, and <laughs> I was fun, and there was smoke, <laughs> and I took off down the street. Damn, <laughs> that's rude. Not one of my finest moments. Nah, I, I can imagine that. I, <laughs> wow. I, I started hanging out with Ellis after that, and I became a better person. Okay, uh, all right. I I agree, man. I, I didn't see that. that uh, <laughs> Got to be quiet with that one. Grip, but uh, I I, yeah. I I was hanging out with John Taylor. If that tells you anything. Uh, oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Cast cast technicians, man. Cast technicians. Six four six 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 eight two one eight two is the number. Uh, real fast before we get this caller in. Um thoughts on the Hall of Fame. Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Brian Dawkins. These guys we watched honestly grew up and watched these guys play football, fellas. So I think this class is probably more special to us than any other class because now we had an opportunity to follow a guy from start to finish, even if we want to go to their college game. Um, we can actually say we watched their entire career. Um, is there something special here with, for, for any of these guys that are going in um, this year, for any of you guys? Um, is this the first year that uh, somebody to kill somebody? Is gonna... Never mind. Mm. You had to do that. Had to do that. So it ain't Ray Lewis for you. I get it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Ray Lewis is not revered I, by your I, I eyes. Lost a lot of, I, I lost a lot of respect for Ray Lewis over this past year. I'm not going to lie. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think the only guy that I didn't name, that I named here, or two guys that don't really have a checkered pass of some sort, is Brian Erlacher and Brian Dawkins. Terrell Owens in the, in the, uh, on the field and locker room. Randy Moss, I play when I want to. Ray Lewis and his scandal, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the other guys don't really. Um, I mean, yeah, Brian Erlacher, for the most part, you know, from what we haven't heard, I mean, those guys pretty much were well well respected in the locker room and did some good things off the, you know, as far as like off the field, you know, but uh. I like this class, man. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely happy for for T.O. I mean, much deserving. And the same with Randy Moss, same for Ray Lewis. Uh, I just, I, I'm just looking forward to uh, August um, in Canton, Ohio, when T.O. makes his speech. Hopefully he pulls up the Sharpie, man, and, and signs his bus one good time. And, you know, but, man, great, 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 great selection, great careers. Uh, Brian Dawkins especially, man, at one time was one of the, of the top five safety. I'm, Man, uh, I remember hard when he hitter. hit. He, he hard hit. I remember when he hit Algie Crumpler. 
uh, mm. of the Atlanta Falcons in a playoff game, and he hit him so hard. The cameras call Algie Crump- Crumpler on his knees uh, vomiting. Like that, yeah, hey. that was that, that was some grown that was some grown manish. Man, but, my, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt man. Ellis, but go go ahead, Ellis. No, I mean um, that, that this class is very very substantial. Um, I really did follow most. Of, yeah, substantial man. Like from like the the, the caliber of players on the field. Now, I know you got some got some you know questionable moments off the field, but. These dudes are trendsetters and just at the highest level of 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 skill and and, and competitive the competitive edge uh, that we've seen in a long time for the, the two linebackers and Erla, even Erlacher and um, Ray Lewis they were just phenomenal athletes and then your uh, your receiving core too two of the best receivers to ever do it um, I mean it's just they're in a class of their own man and then even like I said the Dawkins was just a monster at, at the at the at the safety position, a monster like hard hitting like hand complete package. And then that's when the sport was physical. Ray Lewis, Erlacher, and Dawkins they played when the when the NFL was still a physical sport, and they were at the highest level of competition and Man. stayed healthy for the most part of their careers. You know what was cool about Brian Dawkins was not how hard he hit and how well he played the safety position. But when he took the field and he put his helmet on, that damn visor, man, like, yeah, very intimidating guy, man. Like, I would hate to know that he's on the other side of the field and I gotta go run down the middle. It's not happening. It's not gonna happen. Like, and his and his and his intro too, man. I mean, oh called, man, uh, what's called Weapon X or whatever, man. Oh god, and Brian Dawkins. I, I'm excited about his speech because he was a humble cat throughout his entire career, just low key, low profile. And when he took the field, it was he was a different guy. So I'm excited to see his speech. Uh, probably the first time I'll actually will watch the Hall of Fame. Like, this this will be the first time I actually will enjoy it because all of their careers are followed. Uh, two more questions, fellas. Terrell Owens or Randy Moss, who are you taking in their prime? Hmm. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Randy prime. Moss. Randy Moss, I think, had the better hands. Uh, T.O. was more of the athlete, but I, and neither one of them was great route runners, but they both were able to get separation. They both, both were just phenomenal. They were tall and physical. Even Randy Moss was physical. He, he'd go up and, you know, he'll fight and tussle for that ball, but I think Randy Moss had the better hands, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, I got Randy Moss. I got to agree with it. I gotta agree with Ellis on that because Randy Moss became a verb. Like, how many times do you hear somebody got Moss on the field? Man, right? Yeah, you never heard yeah. anybody say they got Owens. Yeah, that, that's yeah. true. That that that's true. That that's true. I, mean, uh, see, I, see, TV? I think T.O. was just a he was a he was a freak athlete, man. So once he got the ball, like the yards after contact, and you know he was he was still a possession receiver. Yeah. Um, but I. I I just think Moss was had the hands, and he was. He, they both were tall, but he knew how to go up at the highest highest point of that ball and just come down with it. And then had the finesse to be able to grab it out the sky with one hand. And you know, I think he was deceptively fast because he was just a taller dude. So he was in full stride. You just couldn't catch him, and he was covering a lot of grounds very quickly and had the had the soft hands to be able to pull it in. TV. And I think he's a, better, he's a better he's a better route runner in my opinion than uh, T.O. 
So TV, T.O., possession receiver, Randy Moss, you could say was the speedster if you had to put a category to it. T.O., probably more of a red, red zone threat because of his height and his physical, his physical body. I mean, he was a specimen for sure. But Randy Moss didn't need to be a red zone guy because he could go 65 yards and not even break a sweat. Who are you taking? Who who's the guy in your lineup right now at the prime? Um, as as the late um Coach Walsh of the San Francisco Forty ers once said, Terrell Owens is the greatest receiver I have ever coached and being and being able to break down X's and O's on the field. Uh, I got the ultimate receiver basically. I got the Calvin Johnson before Calvin Johnson. I got the guy arguably one one of the best, uh, some of the best, some one of the best hands. I mean, it's the reason why he's top five in receptions or top six. I could be wrong, but as far as uh, the complete package, I mean, he can block. I mean, he can catch. I mean, there was never a game where if I when I watched To, he took a playoff. Every game that I've watched, it was he, he gave a hundred percent, no matter what. Even in Cincinnati, so, I'm. You said what? I said even in Cincinnati. Yeah. Even. Even look, even in Buffalo, right? In Buffalo, so, yeah. But so I'm 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 going I'm going with T.O. man. I, I, I'm not can't argue, man. They both in the hall. Well, right? hey, so, I'm a I, I'm a TV. I got to follow up for you. I'm sorry. Everything you just said, I respect. Until Larry Fitzgerald is on the ballot, because Larry Fitzgerald can catch. He can run routes. He's fast, physical. I mean, great hands. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, to me, is the prototypical receiver. If you had to clay a receiver together, he's that guy. Now, I know I said T.O. and Randy, but I got to throw Larry in there, man, for you. When Larry gets in there, do you still feel that way about T.O.? I'm still going to feel that way about T.O. Okay. And the, 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 I mean, the numbers speak for itself. I mean, what he did in in San Francisco when he had what two he mean he had he had Tim Vertay as a quarterback and still managed to put up numbers and he and even uh, help his team lead his team over um, help his team with the victory over the, the Giants in the wild card game back in two thousand two and then what he did with the Eagles I mean I wish it was more than just uh, a year and but five games I mean but what he did in Philly was unbelievable what he did. And Dallas was unbelievable. Even in Cincinnati, even in Buffalo, when he still was able to haul in ten touchdowns. So whatever this man has been, and whatever QB quarterback he had throughout his career, at the end of the day, he still produced. And and don't get me wrong, Larry Fitzgerald, he, he, he's going to go down as one of the best. But if you give me a wide receiver, right, wide receiver in their prime, I, I'm going to start off with T.O. Okay. All right. That's. Very, very bold. I like that. I, I do like that, though. I, I got to go with Randy Moss. This, the speed, I mean, again, McGriff said it. I mean, he came up with a slogan, man. You got Moss. I mean, that that's kind of cool. One hand catches. I mean, in full stride. If you, I mean, man, Randy Moss was a monster in Minnesota and then resurrected his career in New England with Tom Brady, and all he did was run the deep ball. Nobody has done it better than he has with the speed that he has. And I wouldn't say he's the greatest, but I can see why T.O. is in there for sure because T.O.'s numbers do not lie. He physical, The physical specimen that he is, the only guy I can think of that had it 
is your, your guy that played for Arizona TV, uh, Anquan Bowden. He's the only guy that I think physically can be on the level of T.O. Not skill set-wise, because he is definitely a possession receiver. But as far as the physicality is concerned and his, his, the, the makeup of his body, Anquan Bowden is the closest to T.O., and that's saying a lot, because that is like light years apart from their skill set. Oh yeah, and, oh yeah, shout, and yeah, shout out to Q, man. I mean, Q, Q definitely did his thing, not just with uh, the Cardinals, but I mean, even with Baltimore. I mean, it, you know, part of that. Hell, Detroit that went on to, and, and Detroit as well, and even I mean, a little bit of time in San Francisco, and then a couple of years from now, you know, we're going to be talking about Steve Smith getting into the Hall of Fame, and wow. then we still got other receivers like Torrey Holt, who was one yeah. of my, who, who will be another, who will be another receiver. He'll be my number two. Underrated. Um, you got a uh, Oh, very underrated. You got Bruce Isaac. Uh, you got Jimmy Smith. Wow. Uh, at one time, you had, remember Javon Walker? You had Javon I Walker. Do. You had Donald Driver. Uh, Musa Muhammad. Ooh. I mean, man, Brandon Stokely. Right? I mean, come on, man. I mean, uh, Derek, Derek Mason. <laughs> so, <laughs> the list goes on, man. Who's Mazzotta? How about Hoosh Mazzotta, man? How about T.J. Hoosh Mazzotta? Woo, that boy dropping knowledge tonight. All right. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, know it kind of went over I know we got to end it. I, I know we got to change subjects, real quick, but to be honest, fellas, I mean, from 2000 to let's just say 2010, man. I mean, we saw some great. One, yeah. I mean, we saw a, we saw great receivers, man. That's something we can't. That's something nobody can argue. We we had great receivers growing up, man. Showed it. Great receivers. Showed it. Showed it. It was running backs first, receivers, and now quarterbacks. Yeah. Quarterbacks and tight ends. Yep. Ooh. Man, you dropped some names out there. <laughs> he got me thinking about some other ones, man. Herman Moore, uh, underrated Herman Moore. because he played for Detroit. Uh, I'm trying to think about who was um, – Yes, yes. Man, oh, man. All right, we can do this all day. Six four, yep, 646-668-2182 yeah, is the number. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we do have a caller. Let's get him in here after I ask this quick question to you guys. Best Super Bowl commercial. Tide won it for me. Yeah, Ty did that thing. Ty did that thing. They, uh, they, they were everywhere. <laughs> Ty was good. Ty was great. I'm not gonna lie, uh, man. The, the Morgan Freeman and, and uh, that yeah, that, Mount Duke commercial. That, that was that was that dope. was pretty funny. <laughs> Those Doritos are actually really good, though. The Blazers, they, they're yeah, actually eat, good. Oh, you know, you can have. That. I don't even eat Doritos. I, I don't eat Doritos either. I, I I had to try it, but I. I I was like, okay, Doritos, it's a nice little flavor. It, it, it's actually pretty good. But that was a good commercial. That was good. Is that your top one? Yeah, that'll probably be my top one, man. It's, wow. it's close between that one and the Tide commercial. So Tide so, had uh, 80 commercials. <laughs> so uh, last year, the Tone Def Award went to Pepsi. Uh, can we all agree on who was the tone, who got the Tone Def Award this year? Mm. Mm. I don't know, man. <laughs> you don't, I don't know? know? No, I, I, I don't. Oh, okay, it's... so how do y'all feel about that Bram ad with uh, Martin King playing in the background? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, he had a dream that everybody would drive a Dodge, huh? <laughs> yeah, I could... Yeah, I, I, I could 
I can see where you have an issue with that. <laughs> I can see where where you have an and, issue. And, 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 and what what's funny is in that same speech, he was talking about people like going out and buying the newest car. He was talking about capitalism and all that. Like really? Mm. And of course, the politics. family came out and mentioned that uh, they, you know, not only they, you know, it was they didn't approve of that, but. You know, using their like likeness of their father, you know, to to boost sales and promote their, you know, and promote their product. That's that was a big no no. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Dodge was thinking on that one, man. I mean, like, don't man. get me wrong, that, that's a very beautiful truck, but uh, nah. Dang, yeah, man. Now that you say, yeah, as you say, I I, I kind of missed that, but yeah, I, yeah, I, ooh, okay, yeah, very tone deaf. Damn. Mm. Just replaying the commercial back in my head, McGriff. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's what uh, I'm here for. Ellis. Ellis, real fast. Commercial. What's good? What do you mean, what's good? What? 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 Wow. Okay. Can can we all agree though? I feel like McGriff. I feel like you'll be in the same boat as me. When Marvel was dropping their commercial for the Avengers two, like. Tia was washing dishes, and I literally yelled at her and told her to stop washing the damn dishes because I couldn't hear. And I turned the TV up thinking I was going to see something epic. I got excited for like 20 seconds. Did you feel that way mm-hmm. when you saw that commercial getting ready to drop? Oh, yeah. I mean, we all love Marvel, so, yeah. You had to wake up for that one. Just like, oh, wow. And then Mission Impossible as well. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Oh, no God. TV, no, no. no. I'm not, ugh, man, I'm, why? I got y'all like seeing Tom Cruise run all the time. Damn. Yes. I you know. I, I was more excited for Jurassic Park than uh, Mission Impossible. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I was. Read, I, I read was. Read, yeah, I'd rather go see that. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise, man. Oh my gosh. And Ellis has no idea what time. we're talking about, so it's all good. Yeah, he's a, he's in another world, man. You're right. Exactly. He's like, what's good? Like, what? Where you been? <laughs> Let's get this caller. Let's get this call. Get this caller in here, man. Uh, I think I recognize this guy, Mr. Darius. Good evening. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> what's up, my dude? Um, sub, I want to talk about the Super Bowl. Phil, Philadelphia came in there with a game plan. Uh-oh. They stuck to it. Okay. What do you think their game plan yeah. was? Be yeah. aggressive. Yeah, we just went there. <laughs> oh, what is that? Hold on, man. Why you gonna call somebody's strike? <laughs> hey, Hell no. no. Hey, man, wait. you call us back. This nigga gonna say you wait just. You have a collect call from. Man, you better get your role model. Hell no. That gets a clap. <laughs> That gets the clap for the night. <laughs> has to get the clap. Because there is absolutely no, I've never, ever 
<laughs> and fellas, I've been doing radio for a while. Ever seen or hear I, what just happened? This man told us to hold on. <laughs> Y'all hold on a second. What? What? For what? What? Wow. Yeah, man. Got to do better. <laughs> he said, hey, man, he could have been getting information about his tax returns, man. You never know. At ten o'clock. Who the hell? At 10 o'clock? I, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell called you at 10 o'clock? IRS is the only one that should be calling, and they shouldn't be calling, period. Shit, they can be calling me. Uh, excuse my language. Right, Anywho, my bad. Uh, 646-668-2182 is the number. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dodging these calls that be coming in even at 11 o'clock at night for me. Uh, the NBA, gentlemen, uh, but Griff, since you've been watching, I feel like I'm, I'm excited to get you into these, these conversations. So let's just let's just take the gloves off and just to say it right now, the Cleveland Cavaliers just said, "Peace the hell out, everybody." And LeBron, if you want to go, we gonna go ahead and just let you go too. I I feel like that's what they just did because there is absolutely no reason to believe that the, the the roster changes that they've made sets them up for a championship run. Absolutely, hell no. Agree or disagree, gentlemen? What is Cleveland doing? What did they just do? <laughs> Listen to LeBron. TV, Ellis? Man. <laughs> what just I, happened, you know bro? What, man? You know what just happened? What happened was that boy LeBron said, hey, hey, they, look. They, they got, got to go. go. They got to go. Damn. And I don't know if you guys watched. Did you guys watch the game last night? <laughs> when LeBron I did. Hit, when LeBron hit the uh, game-winning shot. So you, you, so the team's celebrating. And, you know, Isaiah, like, five foot two. So he's trying to high-five LeBron. LeBron <laughs> I did see that. LeBron kind of, like, brushed him off a bit. But yeah, I did it's, see that. It's show. You know, right? So it just shows like, hey man, they didn't really like this guy. They didn't really like an uh, IT from, from jump, man. And then, I mean, you, I mean, you, you can you can just tell that LeBron has something to do with it. I mean, he even got rid of his boy Dwayne Wade. I mean, man, they they ain't got in Miami. Now Dwayne Wade, but he going back to Miami though, so I'm pretty sure Dwayne Wade's happy about that. But but I mean, TV, come on, know, man. If you look at this roster change, though, bro, like they they literally got rid of half the squad and said, we're going to try to start over with a bunch of young guys and draft picks. <laughs> I mean, that's what they Doing did. The, I mean, that's what they did. But, that, but you know what? At, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't guarantee that LeBron's going to stay with Cleveland. I mean, no, this, it's, it's, I think, it's, pretty, it's pretty much a, it's a Band-Aid on a bullet wound, in my opinion, man. It's a, to me, it solidifies the fact that LeBron James is out of there at the end of the season. I know a lot of people are excited in Cleveland for it, but there's no way that you're going to win a championship with Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., Rodney Hood, and 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 um, your boy George at the point guard position this year. There's just no way. You're, who are you competing with with that roster? I mean, it looks like they'll probably be able to beat the Pistons sometime, but uh, you're not, <laughs> who are playing you're, you're very not well. Who are playing very Hey, they are uh, five game win streak since uh, five game win since acquiring uh. Four game win streak since since oh, getting Blake okay. and and they got Jameer Nelson tonight. So again, 
Pistons making some noise as well, making some trades, trying to establish what they feel is going to be a good roster, a backup point guard to this bum ass Reggie Jackson. But hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that out loud. But they got Jameer Nelson. And once upon a time, Stan Van Gundy and Jameer had a history. They went to the championship in Orlando. Uh, Jameer Nelson didn't play until like game five when they lost. So, yeah. Redemption for Stan Van Gundy, maybe? Uh, I think he just bring it. I think he's bringing in a guy like Jameer Nelson, who he's familiar with, to kind of help. I, I don't know. I guess kind of help 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 the team out as far as what he wants to do offensively. But I don't. I, I just see it as him being. I'm just seeing it as a as a as a veteran a veteran presence on for that team. You know, somebody that has a voice, somebody that's you know did some things in the league, not just making the playoffs, but you know going to an NBA Finals and. Eh, it's, it's good that the Pistons are making moves, but it doesn't – it's one of those things that I'm not going to get excited about. How about that? But going to the NBA Finals and actually playing in the NBA Finals outside of one game is, is – don't you think that's different? I mean, I know he was injured, but we all were sitting back and saying that if you if you had a chance to beat the, the Lakers that year, you got to start Jameer Nelson. He's the reason why you're even in the Finals. And they, they didn't even throw him out there to game five. Well, well, let's not get off. Let's get off track. But no, I, for me, it was stick to your high hand, and your high hand was Ray for Austin, and I, I think the other point guard was Williams or yeah. whatever his last name was. But, but you got to the finals because the lineup and the rotation was working for you. So sure. I told people I don't think Jameer Nelson should should play at all in the NBA Finals. And I guess you know, hey, look, this he probably looked at it like, look, this is my guy. He put him in, of course, things didn't work out. But with that being said, with the trades, man, I mean, going back to going back to with, with Cleveland, I mean, let's 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 see how this thing works out a month from now. Uh, who's to say they may get off? You know, they 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 may, you know, get to a good start. You know, since the trade, or maybe it's just it'll just continue to be a dumpster fire. But man, clearly, again, it is out of there, so maybe that'll change the morale of, of, of the team. Who knows, but, you know, we'll stand by and see, man. I guess when we had this argument week one, and I'm going to go back to listen to the tape, cut it, and play it next week. But when Uh I was getting ridiculed for saying that Uh Boston won this trade and why they won this trade for a guy that they traded for that they couldn't even play, um, I guess I ended up being correct about that because Boston is up by 10 right now against Washington, and they are the number one seed. And – Looking at Cleveland, there's no reason to believe that they're going to even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone compete for a championship against Golden State. Or, to be honest, TV, McGriff, Houston, or OKC. Because the way that Houston is playing currently, with Chris uh, Chris Bosh as their point guard, and I mean, not Chris Bosh, uh, Chris Paul as their point guard, and, um, and letting James... Letting James Harden play his natural position at the shooting guard, and then you got OKC blowing Golden State out twice in a row, three games up on them. I don't think there's any reason to believe that Golden State could beat either one of these teams in the clutch. I'm just throwing it out there, man. So I feel like Cleveland just traded away their season. This is they're they're done at this point. I think they're mortgaging their future, trying to get some young assets. Got they got draft picks because they don't believe that LeBron James is going to stay. 
He didn't want to raise his no trade clause. At the end of the day, you got to do something, and this is what they did. They're not going to compete for a championship, right? I mean, there's no reason to think that they are. I'll take your silence as as if you guys agree with me. No, maybe, no, possibly. So you say, say you said, so you said it'll probably come down to basically what you're saying is it'll come down to either Houston or OKC, brother. I think so. Because I, I don't think that Boston is on the level of OKC or Houston. I mean, Golden State as well. I, 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 don't, I just don't believe that Boston is at that point of championship basketball. But the way that Houston has beaten Golden State and the way that OKC has beaten Golden State, I don't think that there's any reason to believe that OKC or Houston doesn't have a chance at it. I, I don't. Now, Melo will probably be the X factor. If Melo can figure out, maybe I should come off the bench, maybe. Because Paul George and it, man, Paul George and Russell Westbrook are clicking. And they just look yeah, unstoppable. That's, 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 that's a daily combo right there. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I, watched, I watched the Golden State. I'm sorry nobody said anything, but I was watching that Golden State and OKC game, and, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, damn, okay, OKC – not only beat them, but you know it's kind of like they they got the pieces necessary to possibly beat them in a seven game series. Exactly. But I always tell, I, 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 but I tell a lot of people, your 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 team, the team teams truly uh, reveal themselves post All Star break. So let's see let's see what let's see what what the teams look like after after the All Star break, getting ready for. Fair enough. Uh, you know, playoff positions because sometimes you can be you can be clicking now, but then come when it comes down to winning X amount of games to get that home court advantage. You know, you're a different. You know, you're a different team. So either way, I just either way, and I think we all can agree on this. The NBA championship is still going to stay in the West. Either way it goes. Yes, I mean, I agree. With if that. it's not Houston, it's going to be OKC. Hell, if it's not OKC, it's going to be Golden State because I just don't see a team in the East. Being able to beat any of those three teams in the seven, you know, in you know, no. in, you know, in the seven game series. Yep. I mean, we can run through that list too. But, I agree, and you know, with Boston, they, you know, they look good. But I mean, again, OKC, you've seen it. I mean, Paul George, Westbrook, um, Carmelo Anthony. Hell, the one guy a lot of people forget to talk about is Stephen Adams. I mean, Stephen yeah. Adams. Oh is, yeah. I mean, he, he he's the anchor in the front, man. Yeah. He. he He's your he's your enforcer. He um, reminds me of Ben Wallace, a better version of Ben Wallace. He can rebound, uh, he can yeah, block. He, he, he's more he's offensively he's more skilled. But he yes, can score. I would, I would agree. He, he's more offensively he's more skilled. I agree. And he's aggressive. That's 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 the and reason why I say he's a better version of Ben Wallace. I the great comparison I think, and he can shoot. No no no, shoot. no 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 that's that's a, that's a, that's a solid comparison, man, because. You're going to need you're going to need to play like that going up against Draymond Green in the seven game series, right? You know you're going to you're going to need a guy that can pretty much match the physicality of of a, of a Draymond Green, and then again with Paul George, I mean hell, I mean this guy, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a candidate for defensive player of the year right now. I mean, yeah. yes, and sir. I always like Paul George, man. I mean, to me, he's one of the better two way two way players in the league, and I'm glad he's going to be playing in, in the All Star game, which uh, 
I don't know. I guess I'm. I guess I'm excited about, it, but not really. But we'll see how this uh, format works. Into the fourth quarter, right? Right. <laughs> Into the fourth um, quarter, man. When they, yeah, you got to hunker down. <laughs> I, I, I hate to change subjects real fast because this is one topic I did we did not talk about, and I felt like I've been waiting to, to bring it up, especially to y'all too, especially to you too. Matthew Stafford was the highest paid quarterback this past season, and I said. And I said, Are we, we taking a break? <laughs> yeah, no, we're not taking a break. And I said oh, God. that Matthew Stafford was it's just it's just an anomaly, it's a fluke. He's gonna somebody else is gonna get paid. TV, I think you agree that the benchmark was set for Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan to get paid next. I don't think we've seen Jimmy G getting paid 137 million dollars in five years, <laughs> 90 million guaranteed in three years after playing five damn football games as a starter, winning them, but I don't think it warrants that type of contract. So with all that stuff y'all said about Stafford being the highest paid and all the stigmatism that went along with that, is that not magnified when a guy that's only played five games and started five games and won this season with San Francisco out of all the teams and he becomes the highest-paid quarterback, are we not going to throw shade or anything at his his way at all? That's, that's handsome Jimmy G, man. You know, oh, man. oh, Mr. Ellis, where'd you come <laughs> what? from? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Are we start talking about Jimmy G what? and you come out of nowhere and you're going to say handsome? <laughs> I knew that's the first thing you said. Are you, are you guys surprised about this? I knew he was coming. I knew he was going to say something about his boy. I mean, but yeah, he, man. I mean, First of all, where you been? <laughs> I mean, I'm right here, man. Get out of here. I'm, I'm, we were just I'm talking basketball. Right you now. had nothing to say. No, I was in the basketball conversation. Y'all switched gears and got on Jimmy G and Stu Stafford in here for some reason. So I'm joining Wait the conversation. Wait a minute. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did you jump into the basketball conversation? Um, I said that you switched gears before I had a chance to jump in there, my guy. But I'm right here. <laughs> Dang. You had a chance, and you was just checking the shoelaces in your Ferragamos if they even got shoelaces, and and you disappeared. Oh, 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 oh! I got some salt on my Ferragamos, man. I had to get that out. Answer the damn oh. question. Are y'all not gonna throw shade at Jimmy G? This man is one hundred thirty-seven million dollars in, ninety million guaranteed after five games. Like, there's nothing to be said, huh? He's Jimmy G. <laughs> no, they think that that's a foolish decision, man. I can't. I I don't bro, know what's going on. Defend your point, man. Defend your team, bro. That's your squad. They, nah, that, that's, that's your Shanahan, squad. man. Shanahan boys be doing some off off the chart stuff, man. With their quarterback, so I, I I can't speak on it, man. He's definitely he done made his bed with him, so we're gonna have to see what he really does when when he actually gets a full season. I can't justify uh, giving a backup quarterback one hundred. Come on, TV man. I, come, come on, bro. I listen, man. I've known you for too long, and I know you know football. Please tell me that you do not agree with this contract. I, I, I I'm, look. I'm still, I'm still learning the ins and outs of football. It's always something. But oh, uh, yo, <laughs> I'm gonna just, say, I'm gonna just say <laughs> this, man. I mean, it's the reason why, it's the reason why uh, Bill Belichick didn't want to. Uh, uh, Trey Guapolo in the first place, but again, based off six games, if you look at it was six games, right? And he won all all six, right? 
And if you look this at the season, teams it was that he beat, okay, this season was fine. Okay, so the five the five teams that he beat, I believe, what two, well, two or three of them were playoff teams. I mean, you know what he did against Jacksonville, um, and I can't, I forgot who the other teams were that ended up making the playoffs. But apparently, you got you got to lock up, you got they had to lock him in, or or you know end up losing him to free agency. But I don't really have a problem with it, man. I mean. It can go oh either my way. God. It could be, it, it no. could be, it could be a great, it could be a great move, or you know what? Hey, this is terrible. We don't know, but based off those five games, man, I mean, hey, oh for him to God. get there, for him to get there and do what he did, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't have a problem with it, man. Oh my God, I don't have a problem with it. Oh, TV, no. Even huh? though you don't agree with that, man. Please. What you basing this off of, man? This dude played four, five games. I think he got like six career starts in the, in the entire NFL. I'm just look. I'm just I'm just, I'm just based off. I'm basing off what, what what was shown to us, what was revealed to us. Man. You either you either give you either give a move, TV. <laughs> I mean, I don't, again, I don't, I don't, what do you guys want me to say? I don't have a problem with it, man. I'm sorry, I just don't have a problem with it. Oh, but Stafford. <laughs> Oh my God! Wow! All right. I mean, I mean, oh, I, I mean, I really didn't have a problem with what Stafford got. I mean, again, either you pay him, or you know, <sighs> you take the risk of him walking away and not being able to afford him. So you, you like that? I don't have a listen, man. Pay, pay <laughs> oh, place what they're worth, and they felt like he was worth that. One hundred and thirty-seven million dollars, McGriff, and ninety is guaranteed in three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, 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 even I, TV, you know, we, we, we think a lot, a lot alike on stuff, but uh, you on your own with this one, brother. Like, I, I don't hey, that's it. I came into the world I, I by don't myself, know and if, I will leave by myself. <laughs> I, I don't know if, like, they went and got a tarot reading, and they just looked at the cards, and it just said that they're going to go to the Super Bowl for five years in a row, or what, but... uh yeah, I I don't know. Maybe they went to New Orleans and you know what I'm saying they talked to some um some, some voodoo masters and uh yeah, they, they know something we don't know. Maybe maybe went to Houston. They have access to a time machine and they know what's gonna happen in the future. So uh yeah, I mean optimism is a very powerful thing. But uh Thank yeah, I, I can't say I agree with it. Thirty seven million dollars and ninety guaranteed. Dog. TV, I, I don't like, think you agree with that, man. I, 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 <laughs> off of four games, man. I, I, I'm man, confused. I, my, my, wow. All right. I, I just had to ask. I forgot that that even happened today. So I wanted to switch topics. I, I'll get back on the, on the NBA. Uh, quick rapid fire, if we could, fellas, to end the show. A um, couple of questions that are out there in the NBA universe. Um as we kind of gear up and get ready to talk about them on a, on a weekly basis here. Um, I'll start with, I'll start with you, Ellis, since you didn't really chime in. This is rapid fire. Keep in mind. Yep. 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 Did, yep. did OKC so. make a mistake by not trading or getting something for Carmelo Anthony? He is the weakest link right now in that big three. And he's not really giving you Carmelo Anthony type of stats or numbers. Paul George seems to be the success of that trade. Did they make a mistake and not get assets for Carmelo Anthony? Well, they didn't get anything. Or was Paul George still there? No, I'm saying Paul George is the better of 
of that trade well, coming I, to OKC I, I say that to in the beginning that, of the season. Yeah, boy, Carmelo's good though, man, because he's gonna—he's just gonna be there, bro. He—he he waves his no clause, so he's there. He—he's there by choice. Your boy, I mean, the fact that they didn't get—they didn't deal uh, George before this all-star break is where they need to really be worried about because he's out there at the end of the season, and they're not gonna get anything for him. TV. Did they make a mistake? Melo is not playing Melo ball. If he comes off the bench, he's better, but he's refusing to do that. So, the OKC missed the window. No, I don't. I don't think OKC missed the window. Missed the window, man. I think they'll be fine uh, as the season progresses on, man. Uh, keep everything intact. Things seem to be going well for this OKC team, as we were talking about before. So, no. McGriff, different question, same team. OKC at the end of the season will be the Western Conference champion or the NBA champion? Uh, the NBA champion. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> That's a terrible card <laughs> read right there. He, he wasn't even confident in that one. He was like, maybe? The Pistons are on a five-game winning streak, four since acquiring Blake Griffin. Ellis and I were very skeptical of this whole trade. The verdict is still in for me. B. Ellis, how do you feel? I'm still skeptical. They played the Memphis Grizzlies, the the New Jersey Nets. Like, get out of here, man. I I need to see Brooklyn. Don't put some respect on that team. Brooklyn. Not New Jersey. Excuse me. There's, there's no respect with the with D'Angelo's your, your starting point guard right now. I'm straight. They got Jameer. Can't do it. Though, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate them playing some good some good basketball, man. At, at least I'll say that they did beat Portland the other day. All right, fair enough. TV, you kind of like lukewarm about it. How do you feel? Uh, still, still the same, man. I mean, like not, nothing to get too excited about. McGriff, are they are they going to put some butts in the seats, man? <laughs> no. Um, what are they doing? <laughs> no, flat out. All right. Go ahead. Finish your thought. That, that was it. That's it? No? Just no? Okay. <laughs> no, I, said <laughs> no. I said no, but they're doing better. They, they, they really, really need to... Play it. Uh, if they could play on the road, if they could play on the road that, that and win games, smooth, Chris. no, I, it did it, it. did it on its own. Stop it. It did it on its own. Sure Stop it. it. Sure. It did. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love for you to run. You know, run the board from where you are in Southfield next week. Can you do that? <laughs> can, can you run the board next week? Can you do that next week? <laughs> I can't, I can't win with him, man. I, 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 can, I can never win. You will never hear any more NFL talk from us for the rest of the season because it's over. Oh. McGriff, close us out if you could, sir. Uh, good night. <laughs> Thank you, Darius, for calling in tonight and taking a call on top of our call. So, thank you, sir. That was great. Uh, Ellis, what was she about to say? 
I was gonna say, well, Griff, I guess we'll see you in August. <laughs> but damn. <laughs> well, uh, Ellis, uh, I mean, uh-oh, I can say about you. Ooh. But uh, Ooh. shots are fire tonight. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> this is FT Sports Podcast as they laugh and close out, and it's been a thing for the okay, last three weeks. Fella. If you want to call in, 646-668-2182 every week, every Thursday. Uh, this is always fun, man. For C. Davis, BLS TV, AA Rob, we will catch you guys next week, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Blog Talk Radio. Have a good night. Hey, hey. <laughs>